Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. Today, we're going to talk about an issue that all of us deal with, but none of us like to talk about, and that's sin. You know, sin is kind of like a bad haircut. Everybody sees it, but nobody mentions it. I remember hearing a story about three pastors who went on a fishing trip together, and there they were on the lake, but the fish weren't biting. So one of them said, why don't we take this opportunity to do what the apostle James tells us to do, which is confess our sins to each other and pray for one another. Would you have liked to be on that boat? They agreed, so the the first pastor started. He said, the sin I need to confess is lust. Every once in a while, I'll go to the beach and watch the pretty girls walk by. I know it got quiet in here. The second pastor said, well, the sin that I need to confess is gambling. You know, I, I just can't stop myself from going to the racetrack and placing bets on the horses. And then the two of them, they turned to the third man, and they could see that he was hesitating a little bit. So they said, hey, this is a safe space. There's nobody else around. Just share what's on your heart. So that third man said to them, well, the sin that I struggle with is gossiping. I just can't keep a secret. See, that's why we don't like to share our sins. No. The reality is that all of us struggle with this. All of us struggle with brokenness. All of us struggle with sin and the effects of sin that are destructive on our lives like loss and loneliness and isolation and despair. All of us struggle with this. Pastors struggle with this. Prophets struggle with this. All people struggle with this. Every single one of us are broken. All of us in this room, those of you joining us online, We are all broken people. And you see that mirrored in the experience of the heroes of faith in Scripture. All of them are broken people. David, David murdered someone, committed adultery. You see see, um, Moses, Moses also killed someone. We're all broken people. So can we begin today just by admitting that, admitting our brokenness? They say that confession is good for the soul. So would you join me in a moment of group confession this morning? Would you repeat after me? I am broken. I am a sinner. Is that a little uncomfortable to say out loud? That was a little more awkward for me than I thought it would be. Because there's some shame associated with admitting our brokenness. so, So we like to pretend that we aren't broken. The temptation is for us to put on a mask and act like everything is okay. We like to think that if we look good on the outside, it doesn't really matter what's going on on the inside. But the truth is, 
Just because we ignore our brokenness doesn't make it go away. It's kind of like a cavity. You know, I recently got a filling, and it's incredible how long you can ignore a cavity for. Now, before the dentists in this room get angry with me, I'm not saying that we should ignore cavities, okay? I'm just saying that when they're small, it's possible. It's possible. And even as they get larger, we can figure out ways to live around it, right? Chew on the other side of our mouth. Avoid cold foods. Avoid sweet foods. You can tell that I've done this before. Don't tell my dentist. But just because we ignore the cavity doesn't make it go away. It's still there, and often it grows. I saw this demonstrated in a very dramatic fashion when I was on a mission trip to Haiti. I was assisting a dentist treating a patient whose tooth had completely crumbled. Apparently, the cavity had grown so large that it had hollowed out the inside of his tooth, and all that was left was an empty shell. So the next time he bit down hard on that tooth, it shattered. And that's what brokenness does to us. It hollows us out. That's why author and pastor Peter Scazzaro writes in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. When we deny our pain, losses, and feelings year after year, we become less and less human. We transform slowly into empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. Have you ever felt that way before? Like an empty shell with a smiley face on top. I know See, I have. I have chosen Bezalel, son There's of been times when I felt like I just had to fake it. And I have filled him with just pretend God, that everything with is okay. Wisdom, with understanding, with when in reality, and with all kinds I was dying of inside. Now, this is important. So throughout Notice this series, we're going to address the, the, the brokenness in our lives that keeps us from being from his own enterprise or efforts. So if that's they your experience, from his own the good news is you're not alone. From God. Every single one of us are broken. From God's grace. And the even better news is and he's not the only there is healing available for us. There are others. Because All God makes us in the, in the whole. Construction of the See, that's our series in a nutshell. Sin breaks our souls, but God makes us Sin breaks our souls. The reason why there is suffering and pain and loss in this world is because of sin, because we have separated ourselves away from God. In Genesis chapter 3, we're told about the very first sin that humanity committed. God tells Adam and Eve, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Don't eat it. Stay away from it. It's better for you to stay away. But Adam and Eve ignore his warning, and they choose to eat of the fruit anyway. They choose to trust human wisdom over divine word. Come on now. They choose to remove God from the throne of their lives and place themselves we aren't on top. because we are special. They choose God independence from God. Us and that special. choice for separation our from, God from God breaks our, our souls. Flow and the rest of Scripture is the story of how God is trying to restore us to wholeness again. 
So in this series, we're going to look at three, three healing miracles of Jesus to discover how God mends our souls and makes us whole. How God mends our souls and makes us whole. So that's what this series is all about. And I know that a lot of times we think of Jesus' healing miracles uh, as more physical miracles, right? That when Jesus healed people, he healed their bodies. But his miracles were always more holistic than that. That's why Ellen White, in Ministry of Healing, writes, the burden of disease and wretchedness and sin Jesus came to remove. It was his mission to bring to men complete, complete restoration. He came to give them health and peace and perfection of character. From him flowed a stream of healing power, and in body and mind and soul, men were made whole. Notice that she writes that the healing power that flowed from Jesus was meant to make body, mind, and soul Whole. And we've talked about this before, that the biblical concept of soul is not something that exists separate from the body, but it's the encapsulation of body, mind, and spirit that makes a living soul. So when Ellen White says that that Jesus made their souls whole, what she's saying is that Jesus healed them inside and out. And the first example of this that we're going to look at today is found in Luke chapter 5, in the passage that was just read by Ken. In Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up, or you can turn them on if you have the device, to Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And what you're going to notice about this passage is that Jesus doesn't just heal this man's body. He also forgives this man's body sin. So how does that happen? Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 17. Check it out. Luke writes, on one of those days, as Jesus was teaching, now I need to pause here because two verses prior to this one, Luke writes that, that people had discovered that Jesus could heal the sick. So People started to gather from everywhere. And it was on one of those days when the crowds were gathering that Jesus was teaching. He continues. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. So he had gathered so many crowds that it was now starting to get the religious leaders' attention. And this is significant because, notice, in this kind of situation, usually the, the local scribe would show up and deal with it. There were, there were scribes for every village and every town, so the local scribe would usually deal with it and maybe send a report if it was important enough. But notice that Luke writes that it's not just the local scribe who shows up. It's Pharisees and teachers of the law from all over the province of Galilee. And not just the province of Galilee, but all over the province of Judea, and not just there, but also from the capital city of Jerusalem itself. So the bigwigs from Jerusalem, from the capital, make the four-day journey, because that's how long it took to get from Jerusalem to Capernaum. They make that four-day journey to find out more about this itinerant rabbi. So this was a big deal. To put that in perspective, this would be like, this would be like U.S. senators 
driving all the way from Washington, D.C., all the way to a tiny little insignificant city like Yukaipa to find out what's happening here. I mean, nothing against Yukaipa. It's just, it's no Loma Linda, am I right? No. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, Peter actually. Ends. I love Yukaipa. You know, some of my best friends writes, are Yukaipans. As I hope to make clear, but very rarely does something happen in Yukaipa that is of national importance. But that's what's happening here. In the small town, Jesus is gathering such attention that the national religious leaders even come to find out what's happening. And the Bible says, Luke says, that the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Now, it doesn't say it here, it says it later on, but they're inside of a house. And what you have to understand about houses in Capernaum was is that they're not, they're, they were not very large, right? The largest excavated house in Capernaum has a span of about 18 feet. That's like the distance from here to here. So maybe there was room for like 50 people in there if you really jam-packed them in, you know, like if you crammed them in like a crowded subway in New York before the pandemic, right? They're shoulder to shoulder, where if, if, if a person sneezes on one side of, of, the, of the subway, it's like a chain reaction. You can feel it on the other side of the subway. So if they were standing that packed together, maybe you could fit 50 people. Am I making anybody uncomfortable here? No, you guys are ready for physical contact now, right? So maybe, 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 maybe you could fit 50 people there. But they weren't standing. What does the Bible say? Into seven the religious leaders just were like the sitting there, which takes a lot more room. And, each one, and each I can't imagine that these religious the leaders were sitting Lord shoulder said, to shoulder. Just like There's probably a lot of social distancing of happening here. With the phrase, right? and God said. So there See, probably God wasn't room for very many people outside of Jesus and the religious leaders. And then on the sixth Maybe a few segment, people crammed into the back. Today, the rest of them the overflowing segment, outside. Just like the sixth day, and there these God religious leaders sit, gifts and invites dominating them to the space in the work of and judging creation. Jesus. And then? See, they had come on the seventh to find seventh, out like if the stories the about Jesus were true. But they assumed all of the that they weren't. Climaxes because this wasn't the first time a charismatic leader had gathered See, crowds Moses and had tricked the, the gullible the commoners into crowning like him as the, the next Messiah. And this wasn't the first creation, time. It had, it had happened before. To partner with so they probably assumed Jesus was another one of these pretenders. To, After all, he to was from Nazareth. A little, a bit Everybody knew that nothing good came good. from Nazareth. See, and so there they sat in their skepticism, purpose judging Jesus. Is never just By their body language, they communicated, a meaningful show us, is never just and we might believe. That's why. Have you ever had to present before a hostile crowd before? You ever had to do that? From God's Super uncomfortable. There's a reason why there are things called home court advantage, advantage right? Our so Jesus must have felt like from God's plan Jesus must have felt like LeBron James that bears in the Boston Garden, right? That's a very countercultural hostile state. crowd. See, our he must have felt like Kanye West at a Taylor Swift passion. concert. Hostile example, crowd. Have you ever heard, um, he must have felt like the Pope. Like 
at an Adventist GC session. Hostile crowd. So he's surrounded by this hostile crowd, and then all of a sudden, these men show up. Do what you love. Desperate. Love what you do. To believe. Random wall art. Verse 18. Anybody ever seen that random wall art before? And behold, ever owned that random some wall men art? were bringing on a bed a man we who was paralyzed. Like and they were seeking to kids, bring him in dreams, and lay him before Jesus. And you know, during those times, wrong. people slept on There's mats. So it's highly likely that he's being carried that we to hate, Jesus we'll on the very it. bed that he's been <gasps> living in since he if was paralyzed. Discovering our purpose only comes so from this bed that was once his prison becomes his vehicle Because we'll only pursue, we'll only practice those things But finding no way to bring right him now. in because of the crowd, we won't they went up on the roof and led him down with his bed through the tiles into the mist before Jesus. Notice that this crowd, including the religious leaders, they create a barrier that separates this man from Jesus. following your passions is likely wonder, to lead to overly limited we ever separate inflated expectations and early or eventual cynicism burnout and skepticism if all you're doing is following your passions do we ever keep you limit the jobs that you the only can go into who is able to heal expect that. your job to be do easy and then quit that's what's happening here when it's not the religious leaders the create a physical barrier People are often that keeps told this to man from getting to Jesus, but these men will not be deterred. So they climb onto the roof, break through the tiles, idea, and lower however, their friend to Jesus. And verse 20 reads, urging people to find And their when passion, he saw their, their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. To carry. Again, Jesus doesn't just See, heal this man's body. He forgives that automatically come easy Because he knew it's actually the opposite. that what this man needed was a not just a mending of his body. He needed a complete restoration as pain of his soul. You think about it. So how does this man receive restoration? Or a new sport. How does this man place, him in a place himself in a position a where he can be healed? That we have to go through what does Luke write? Reach proficiency. He says, right? Jesus said, man, your sins are forgiven tennis. you I was when terrible. he saw their... I hit. What? I couldn't volley. I couldn't serve. When he saw Most of my faith. balls went into the net, See, and the ones that didn't usually landed out of bounds. It's the first step toward freedom. At it. I was so bad at it that I actually quit I say for that a again? while because I was faith enjoying playing basketball so much. Step Why would I torture myself with trying to learn from a new sin? Spirit? After the Holy Spirit has convicted us of but our need to be healed COVID from hit. sin, faith is the first and step towards healing from sin. And humbly and meekly I made my way Faith is what heals us. Not faith because I loved is what it, makes us whole. But because it was my so let me explain what exercise. I mean by faith. And again, because sometimes it can feel like a sort of nebulous. But a thousand term, hours right? later, faith is I'm simply still at it. actionable trust but I'm less in God. Actionable and trust now in God. I love it. It's trusting God enough that See, we're willing to take an action sport, based on that trust. See, that's what these men did. Pain. They trusted that Jesus could heal their grow. friend, so they broke Even through tiles. Through there's the action. Our passions can grow even through pain. And that's why just focusing on our current set of, of passions to determine our purpose and that kind of is severely limited. is crucial. Because if you remember, God often calls the very first sin, Adam and Eve, that committed the very first sin because they lacked 
trust in God. See, they trusted themselves. They trusted the serpent more than they trusted that God has designed perfectly for our passions. So, what's happening in this story? And this is really cool. What's happening in this story is the reversal. That the very God first only sin. calls us to things that are See, Adam and Eve, they move from a place of trust to so mistrust. So that when our jobs get difficult, as from, they from always will, dependence on God to independence to from God. That, that but these God, men God move in the opposite direction. Maybe this they move God's calling from mistrust to trust. From when independence reality, God to dependence often calls us on to God. Do and because of that action, things. that choice to have God faith, often calls this man is, is healed and his and that's sins why are forgiven. Our faith, our purpose, the first step comes from God's plans from sin and not our passion. And that principle is really so the foundation God's of every 12-step program out well, there. See, all of them begin look, with the same three steps. Look. And these three steps, they really describe what faith is. There are take two a look. commandments that lie at the, the three steps of, the uh, of every 12-step program is those are one, love God. we admitted we are powerless love over our, our addictions ourselves. or sin. In fact, in John we're powerless 13, over our sin. Then two, Jesus we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Like and then based on that belief, based on that so faith, as number three, seek, we made a to decision to work turn our as we seek and our to lives grow good in this over world. to the care our of actions God will always as we be centered on There's showing the love step. to the people who that's God faith. has put in our path. And that's exactly what these men do. Ellen White, in her book, Education, they realize it this way, that they're powerless. Love and loyalty they recognize are the that Jesus is powerful. All true service. In other words, our love so for they rest results in love in for Jesus others. Care. In the heart, touched because by his love, of that there is begotten a desire to work for him. Let this, this desire be encouraged and rightly guided. Whether in the home or the neighborhood or the school, the presence of the poor, the afflicted, faith. the ignorant, or the unfortunate the should be regarded not as a misfortune, but as Verse affording precious opportunity for service. The man rose up in other words, it's a privilege to serve others. That's where meaningful service is found. In this work, God. as in every other, See, everybody is in that room in the work itself. Our ability to love every single one of them, including the religious leaders, they it all could have been healed in the by Jesus. Of life, but only one of them and ministry to the needy only and one man that left that room whole. Without this, the best meant efforts are Jesus. often useless faith and even harmful. Is the first step it is in the water freedom. Not on the land. So our journey to escape from sin does not begin by just trying really, really, really hard not, not to sin. It is on the land that men right? learn Because faith spend. is the first step. See, what Which we means need to do to that show as to our others, faith in God grows stronger, to us. Sometimes our sins hold over Sometimes us grows weaker. Even involve pain. As our faith grows it bigger, outside of our, our current sins set of, of talents and abilities and passions. But as we practice grows, love, as we begin to realize how good and great and our God really is, will grow. You know, the reason why Adam and Eve didn't trust of you have God was because they didn't the fully realize how good two. God was. Anybody here? 
some of you. I see the some reason why these Pharisees didn't trust Jesus was because they didn't realize by fully how great Jesus was, that he was actually a superhero God. family. So if we want to shrink our sins, together. we have to grow our so God. So if you're not familiar with it, we have to grow our perception the father of who God is. the primary is. crime fighter. But in the because second we movie, we have to the realize gets how chosen as the primary and crime good. fighter. And so the God father, is. Mr. Incredible, has and to that stay happens home to care for the kids as we spend time in the house. And as you See, can imagine, it's not that God is he's a not very practiced at it, God and is it's a great just bad. It's a disaster. God. So the he, more time we spend with him, clean the more we and, realize and, uh, we appreciate who he is. And he's just exhausted you know, at the I've, end of I've every read through day. my fair share just plain of resumes. And the whole situation comes to and what I've begun to, to a breaking point is that there are some people when he look better. His father on is paper sitting with his son at the kitchen table, trying about? to teach him a new way of doing. God is not one of those people. Common core math, which. The more if any we parents here have had to try to teach that to your children, you know gets. how frustrating that process is. So can our be. faith in God will grow. At one point, if he shouts out, spend time Why would they change math? We math is math. Through scripture. Math is math. If we talk to him regularly Amen. through <laughs> prayer. And if so finally, they just him. give up. And decide to go to bed, and, and then come out the other side, side amazed at how he came. But after people. a few hours of tossing and turning in his bed, the father God, gets up. The better goes back to that kitchen table, opens up the textbook, and, so if we want to and spends the rest of the evening, rest of the night, get him know, learning get this new way of doing that. And grow so that by the time his son wakes up and the this next morning, he is able to teach him his lesson because before all of he goes us have sin inside. And we know now, we have sin inside because there's something that's Matt just not right with not Mr. Incredible's passion. Maybe it's a temper. He's not even good at that we can't control. He'd much rather be out there fighting crime, putting addiction. criminals in prison, that making headlines. But he doesn't. Maybe, maybe it's a habit because he loves his son that we can't let go. And in writing about this passage, something, author Scott Cormode says this. We all have something we are each that's called just not right to become us. something that we want to let go. Need us something that we've to tried to let go, even if that does not fit naturally with our gifts and passions, because we're broken. It's not about me, but the good news is about is the people entrusted. Freedom to is available care. to us. So who are the people faith. entrusted because to your faith? Care. Is the first step. And what do you need to do from sin to care for them? So as our faith that grows list, bigger, of course, must begin with our families. Grow small. With, so with if you want to shrink your sins, you've got to grow your God. With our spouses. Spend time with him. And our children. Let him show you how good what and do we need to do he can be to care for them. Let me share. Even if it's outside of I've our comfort zone. in a little way in my life. The list continues. With our friends. Several years with ago. With our neighbors. When, uh, with our co-workers. Our family, and our our family was going through a What do we need to do in our lives? To care for them. We just had Even if it doesn't fit our current I, set we of passions what it meant and abilities. To be parents. And in the midst I, I of all there's that, also we decided to move. Of people we moved to a different who town, God has entrusted to, to the corporate church, of our to a church. different job, to a different home. A lot and of change happening. They are the students and it started to wear on me. of this campus. And I found myself having a and many of you know better than I do that our church that was founded to care for the students of this campus. But I did. Way back I when there was only one Adventist church in Loma Linda, the Church on the Hill. More on the community edge. had grown to such a point that there was no room for students, times, literally no room for I students lost. in the building. I got the really students angry. actually had to sit outside 
They had to sit outside listening to the message on PA speakers, which on hot summer days must have been pretty uncomfortable. So a group of members saw that need and they decided that they were going to do something about it. They planted so a church on this campus, and that church eventually became to be known as the Loma Linda University Those women and men, they saw this need. They understood that God had placed students under their care. And so they did whatever they needed to do to care for them. And some of us, who have attended this institution, have experienced that kind of care from this community. And that care continues still. Today I'd like to show you a video of two new ministries in our church who have committed to showing that kind of care to our students. It's our Wednesdays at Lucy's program and our pantry project. So take a look. Loma Linda University Church started out of a need for students wanting a place to meet. They had outgrown the previous church where they were at, and that's how our church was born. I think like everything else, we all mature, we all grow, and students just found a place that was home, and they made the church their home and started building families and started to become professionals. And I think that was the history of how our church shifted from a student to a family to, you know, a, a church of more professionals. We've seen that a lot of the students that are currently here don't really have a place that they can call home or their church. And so that's how Wednesdays at Lucy's came about. It's just a great opportunity for students that maybe throughout the week don't know each other or really their lives haven't crossed paths. But at dinner um, on Wednesday nights, they can come together, fellowship, share a meal. And I think there's a great thing about sharing a meal with somebody that just allows you to spark conversation, get to know somebody on a different level. People from different paths of life, students have been able to come together and just for a bit gather in community. We were so surprised the first night. We were anticipating there would be maybe 75. So that's what we prepared food for. There were 150. It was like the loaves and the fishes. God stretched the food. It was kind of like a miracle. <laughs> There's no trick to it. I mean, each of the team plans out what meal they're going to do, and then we just divide it amongst all the team members. Mm -hmm. Many hands make work light. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we try to come every week, really. Mm -hmm. Even though we're divided into teams, it's fun to get to know who the students are and, and get to have a feel. They know who we are. Mm -hmm. It's not like they just see us once a month and serving them, you go, oh, hi, I remember you from last week. Mm -hmm. How did it go this week? And then you can ask them, oftentimes I'll say, what school are you from? Mm -hmm. And how is it going? What year are you? And oh, I know what that year's like. And you know, you can kind of <laughs> talk to them about it and it's fun. And they never turn their nose up at the food. Yeah. <laughs> Free. They always seem just excited about whatever, whatever is there <laughs> because it is all gone. <laughs> at first they walked in, in a line, didn't talk 
took their food, ate it, left, and now you see them staying longer mm -hmm. and longer and visiting, and you love hearing that little hum of conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just as fulfilling for the people who do the serving yes. as it is for the people you are serving. As a church, we don't really know the needs of the students. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to know them if you're not involved? So it's a perfect opportunity to get to know what the needs are. Like, who would have known that 40% of our students are food insecure? With Wednesdays at Lucy's, we wanted to be able to have them feel like our church was just not a place that they come on Wednesdays or on Saturdays. Out of Lucy's grew the idea of the pantry. We want our students to feel like it's not just a Sabbath program, but it's a place where it's home away from home. Our hope is to be able to start gathering goods and start planning for the pantry so that by September, when our students return to school, we have something set up for them already. These students come from all over the world. Mm -hmm. They're far away from family. And you just want somebody to be able to nurture them and make them feel like you're gonna be okay. I look at the church as your second family. I think through the years how they've ministered to me, just the family. And so hopefully we can be that way for these students. We've been placed in the heart of a campus um, with students that might be coming here for an education and leave without ever experiencing or seeing Christ being a university campus church, we have the opportunity to be able to show Christ. We really want them to be able to connect, not just with our church, not just with the location of our church, but with our members. There's a family here that cares for them, that wants them to succeed, and that is praying for them and looking out for their, for their needs. See, these are people these are people who have understood that God placed the students of this campus under our care and are willing to do what they need to in order to care for them. If God has put that burden on your heart today, this is what I want you to do. I'd like you to go to our website, lluc.org, and under the section of serve, you can click on the link, sharing your gifts, sharing your gifts. And there's a part of that form that says university slash college students care ministries. Just select one of those and then partner with us in continuing to offer care to our students, to the students of this campus. Because that's, that's how we do meaningful work. Not by pursuing our passions, but by caring for our people. Tony Campolo, in his book, Let Me Tell You a Story, relates a story about a friend of his who at the pinnacle of his career, when he was a key leader at a prominent Christian university, decided to step down in order to care for his wife. His wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and that disease progressed very quickly in her. First, she lost the ability to, to recognize him. Then she couldn't even recognize herself in the mirror. And then she couldn't even speak. He had to care for her every need, feed her, bathe her, watch out for her 24 hours a day. 
And at that point, some of his friends came up to him and encouraged him to put her in a facility that could take care of her basic needs so that he would be freed up to continue his ministry once again. They would tell him, she doesn't even know who you are. She can't even recognize you. And then in a moment of ultimate guilt trip, one of his friends said to him, by staying with his wife like this, that he was reneging on his calling from God. I mean, with friends like those. And this, this is what Tony said was his friend's response. You're right. She doesn't know who I am, but I know who she is. And furthermore, there's only one thing that takes precedence over a calling from God, and that is a promise. And I promised her that I would be there until death do us part. I don't know if quitting your job to care for an ailing family member is God's calling for you. I'm not saying that this is a choice that every single person has to make, but it is the choice that he made in order to love his wife, the person that God had placed in his care. So who are the people whom God has entrusted to your care? And what do you need to do to care for them? Because that is the only way to pursue a purpose with purpose. Let us pray. Our good and gracious God, we want to thank you so much for loving us. You loved us even when we didn't know you. You loved us when we even rejected you. You loved us so much that you became who we needed you to be, a babe on this earth who would grow up to die for our sins in order to care for us. Lord, as your followers, we ask that you inspire us, that you help us, that you give us the courage to walk in your footsteps and care for the people you have entrusted to our care. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at lluc.org.